recording and to recordings over here okay so uh, yesterday we were running a little bit late <laughs> so we didn't finish page nun vav nun hamut bet i'm sorry we didn't finish page 50 side b so please open your gimarot in 50 b2 if you got the english and if you got the hebrew or the aramaic so we are in 50 b we are one two three four five six seven eight nine nine lines towards the end of nun amud base okay so again 50 b2 we are basically in the last section of the page which says that the Gemara discusses another law concerning Mukse. So, Amar Rabuni. So, Rabuni is going to let us know Alaha regarding something called Slikusta. Okay? So, look in the footnote number 16. So, this was a beautiful and fragrant plant that the custom is that people would have it at home in, in a pot with a, a lot of uh, moist earth. So, then they would take these plants in and out to smell them okay so this plant so shmuel says the, the the following if you want to be able to take it out on shabbos and put it back so you, you need to do datsa shlifa viadar datsa vesharia you need to insert obviously before shabbos the plant in that wet earth then you have to take it out and then you have to put it back again and then would be permitted to take it in and out on Shabbos. Why? So let's even read a little bit over here what it says. That once you have it putting in and out, so you already had made the soil need, need to it to be moved. It's not anymore mukse. So if you look in the foot in the foot downs, in the if you look in the footnotes in the bottom, so there's another opinion whether the problem is mukse or the problem is you making a hole uh, over there. But in any case, by doing this, if you put it in and out already, it's fine. But if not, you cannot just take it out and bring it back on Shabbos. Okay? Then this was from Rab Hune. Now Shmuel, Shmuel is going to tell us a similar lacha regarding a knife. People would store knives by putting them into the bricks. Like they would put it in the brick and then just take it out. So says Shmuel, if you want to do that on Shabbos, first you have to datsa, shalfa other datsa, and shari. You have to insert the knife in between the bricks, then you can take it out and then put it back in. And like this, you already made the... Um, materials in between the bricks to be loose and then by you bringing it in and out you wouldn't be doing anything on Shabbos that would be okay if you don't do that you cannot in the first time take your knife and put it in between the bricks on Shabbos Marzutra and Ravashi uh, Amar there's uh, two opinions who, who is the one that said this following Be Gordisa Dekani Shapir Dami but if instead of inserting your knife in, in, in between the bricks, you can insert the knife in a comb of reeds, then that is okay. 
and we're not concerned that you might end up by putting the, the knife in and out, doing some scraping of the reeds. Okay, so after we saw these different opinions, that in order to either put back the plant, uh, the plant or the knives, you have to do all this, the Gemara actually says, Alaha doesn't follow like that. The Alaha is even more lenient. Why? Why is the Alaha more lenient? Somebody wants to send me a message? Okay. So we, where are we? We are in page 50B3. So let's go to page 50B3 to the top. So uh, the Gemara is going to tell us that all, all this is not Mamesh Allah Nemais. So says the Gemara, Amale Rab Mordechai le Rabe, Rab Mordechai said to Rabe, Mesiv Rab Katina Tiufte. A rabbi called Rab Katina had a refutation of all these previous teachings from a Mishnah. The Mishnah says like this, Atoimen lefes utznonus. One that buries either turnip or radishes, tachzagefen, and he puts them under a grapevine. So we're going to see soon, there's many halachas I have to do with, with kilaim, with mixing two spe species of things, vegetables and, and the uh, vine. So if you put it over there, so says the Mishnah, as long as some of the leaves of these, either the turnip or the radishes, are exposed, so then, then you shouldn't be concerned of all the following. You can just pull it out from those leaves. So let's move on to page 51A1. So first of all, Lomishum Kilaim. This is not a violation of Kilaim. Again, that planting a vegetable with sweating brachos, remember, with the famous uh, sugya of the caper bush. Uh, gentlemen, how can you forget such a sugya, right, with the caper bush? So we spoke about Kilaim over there whether the caper bush was a vegetable or was a tree. So if you put this, the, the turnips of the, or, or the tznon or the radish, they, with the leaves sticking out, that's not a problem. It wouldn't be considered kilaim. Since the, I'm looking in the bottom of the, of the footnote number one, since the vegetables have not taken root. Okay. Then velomishum shvi is the same thing. Is not transgressing planting in the seventh year that a person is not allowed to do in the Shemitah year, and also you shouldn't be concerned that maybe because it was under the ground, it might have grown a little bit more, and therefore you have to again separate Miser for the little, little bit amount that it grew. And finally, that has to do with us, that you can pull out this turnip or this radish on Shabbos. So you can just hold it by the leaves and take it out. So let's read over here in the Ascol. Removing the turnip of the radish in this manner will surely move the earth in which is, it was put in. Nevertheless, the Mishnah says it's mutter. So we see that you don't need to prepare it in advance. As Shmuel said, as Rabuna said, with the slikusta or the knife, we see you just can put it in and take it out. That's not a problem. And indeed, it was a refutation for the ruling. You don't need to do it in advance. Okay, let's move on to the last mission of the chapter. There's other shame. 
I don't know if you noticed, but this is the last page of chapter four. The chapter is short and sweet. Okay, so says the Mishnah, Loki if a person didn't do atmana, didn't cover the pot that was in insulation when it was still before Shabbos, right afternoon, then says the Mishnah, you cannot, we spoke about it previously many times, you cannot do atmana during Shabbos. So if you didn't cover it, you cannot cover it once it's already Shabbos. Now, Kisau Venizgale, now if it got uncovered, and uh, if you cover it, and it got in cover on its own, Muta Lechasoso, then you will be permitted to cover it again. Now, look at in the footnote number six. There's two opinions in Toysos. When was that this happened? That the person initially covered it and it got uncovered. So either when he covered it before Shabbos and got uncovered during Shabbos, but uh, if he got uncovered before Shabbos, then he cannot cover it already in Shabbos. Okay? And finally, Memale is a ketone. A person can fill a bottle with cold water. This is the way Rashi understands the Mishnah. The noisen le tachas akar or le tachas akeses. And a person might place it under the cushion or under the bolster. I think this is like a, a, a how do you call it? A smicha, a, a blanket. I think bolster is a blanket. If you know very fancy schmancy English of the Ascol, please correct me if it's not a blanket. I think it's a blanket. Okay, so look in the footnotes. This is according to Rush again. We're dealing, we're doing atmana, and this is the first topic of the Gemara we're going to see now about the Mishnah, that you can do atmana, you can insulate a bottle if you want it to, to, for it to remain cold. So we're going to see soon, there's no problem to do atmana on Shabbos to keep things cold. The only provision is when you want to warm up things, to, for them to keep warm. It is permitted to insulate cold food on Shabbos. Rabbi Yosef challenge, what, what is the news? It's a Mishnah. Tanina, we, we, that's what we use in the Mishnah. A person can fill a bottle with cold water and place it under the cushion or under the blanket. So for what do we need this teaching of Rabbi Yudin and Moshmuel? You know what is the Hidush? If only we would have the Mishnah, when we, there was room to say that it's only permitted to do, insulate something called things that usually a person don't, don't insulate to warm up, like a, a cold liquid. Nobody insulates a cold liquid if he wants it to be warm. So maybe then it's permitted to insulate when you want to keep it cold. Aval, but there was room to say, things that normally a person would insulate when they are hot, like a, like a solid, to keep it warm. There was room to say, look, that is forbidden to insulate even when you only want to keep it cold. So that is the Chidush Kamash Malan of Shmuel. That, that is, you can always insulate something if you want to keep it cold. Okay. Omar Avune, Amar Revi. 
Rabuna said in the name of Rabbi Yudha Anasi, Asulamin Satsoinen. No, it's forbidden to insulate cold foods on Shabbos. The Gemara is going to challenge Vatania. There's a Brisa that says, We're going to this Brisa. Rabbi Tilat Minisatsoinen. Rabbi said it's permitted to insulate cold food. So, how come initially uh, they say it's not? Says Gemara Lokasha, he changed his mind. That that he said that is forbidden to insulate cold things is before he heard the following teaching of Rav Shmuel, the son of Rav Yossi. But after he heard it, uh, after he heard, we're going to see soon what happened over here. After he heard this, that is permitted, he changed his mind, and that's why that second brother said that is permitted. What was the story? <laughs> Sorry, Kia the Yasib Rabbi. Once, one time, Rabbi was sitting, was teaching. The Omar and he said the following teaching. Uh, says as the Brayster that stated that Rabbi said is forbidden to insulate cold food on Shabbos. But Rabbi, Rabbi Shmuel Rabbi Yossi, a big time, was sitting as a student of Rabbi, and he told him. My father, Rabbi Yossi, he permitted to insulate cold food on Shabbos. So Omar, so Rabbi Yudanasi said, Oh, so if that is the case, then it should be permitted. So that's why one Brisa said initially that he said it was forbidden. But then when he heard that Rabbi Yossi would permit, then he ruled that it is permitted. And just a corollary of this story, Amara Pope, where Papa said, Bore, come and take a look, Kama Mechabe bin How dear were these Tanaim, how much cherish one another. Why? Sheilo Rabbi Yossi, Aya Kayam, even Rabbi Yossi was still alive, Aya Kafuv, Yashem Lifner Rebbe. He would, uh, if he would have been alive, he would, in, 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 he would subordinate himself to sit in front of Rebbe, even though he was of a greater uh, scholarship. But since Rebbe was a Nazi, Rabbi Yossi would have sit in front of Rebbe the Nazi. How do we know this? From the fact that his son Rabbi Shmuel, Rabbi Yossi, the Mimalim Makom that he was in the seventh level. Uh, he was in the same uh, scholarship level of his father. And nevertheless, he would subordinate himself to sit in front of Rebbe. So we see that out of humility, both <coughs> Rabbi Shmuel or Rabbi Yossi, his father, would sit in front of Rebbe because of Rebbe's position of being the Nasi, the leader. And nevertheless, came a Rebbe, but Rebbe also gave honor to Rabbi Yossi. And as soon as he heard that Rabbi Yossi already gave a ruling that is permitted to do atmana, something that is called, he said, oh, if Rabbi Yossi already said it's permitted, so then it should be permitted. Okay. The Gemara <coughs> tells us a story. Omler or Nachman, in those days, we find it many, many times, we have it a few times already here and in Broches, that they have servants. Oh, we have for sure in Broches, Tevi Abdi of Rav Gamliel. So Rav Nachman had also a famous servant, his name was Daru. So So he once instructed him two things. First, first of all, he told me, 
go and do some atman insulation of a cold food on Shabbos. And second thing he told him, this was during the week, Raisili Maya Deachim Kapila Armoye. Bring me some uh, food, some water that had been heated by an Aramean, no, no Jewish cook. So what he meant to, to teach by this is two things. First of all, just like we saw with Rebbe, that is permitted to do atmana on cold food. And second thing, that something that you can eat or drink raw doesn't have the provision of bishulakum. That uh, bishulakum means, as we all know, is forbidden to eat or drink something that was cooked by a non-Jew. So the Gemara tells us that Shama Rabiami Veikpad. Rabiami heard that Rav Nachman commanded his servant for this, and he objected why Rav Nachman did such a thing. So the Gemara says, Amar Rav Yosef, Rav Yosef was wondering, my Tama Ikpad, why did uh, Rav Ami got uh, angry at Rav Nachman? No, no angry, but objected what Rav Nachman did. He said what he did was uh, okay. He did according to his two rabbis. The Gemara is going to quote these two teachings that is permitted. One of them was Rav, and the second one was Shmuel. So the Gemara explains. Shmuel, that is when Shmuel said, Shmuel, it is permitted to insulate cold food. So we see that is okay. And then Kerav, regarding Bishulakum, the Amar Shmuel, the Amar Rab Shmuel bar Rab Itzok Amar Rab, Kol Sheu Nechal Kamoshu Chai, any food that can be eaten raw, Eimo Mishul Bishulei Nachrim, there's no provision of Bishulakum, of gentle cooking. So then water is something you can drink raw. So that's why we can buy coffee made by a non-Jew. It's not Bishulakum over there. So the Gemara says, so why Rabbi Ami objected? Says the Gemara, Usabar Adam Hashuf Shani. Rabbi Ami thought, listen, it's okay for a normal person to, to, to rely on these leniencies, but Rav Nachman is such a Hashuvayid, such an important person, he should be different and he should, uh, should have hold himself in a more of a stricter, more of a stringent standard. Okay. Tan Rabbanan says the Gemara brings up Raisa at Tosefta actually. Avalpi Sheambro, even though that Chachamim said in Tomnim Afilo Bidava Shenomosiv Hevel Mishecha Sheikha, that a person is not permitted to insulate anything, even with materials, they don't increase the heat once it's already Shabbos. In Baliosiv, Moisiv. But if he wants to add to some for something that was already insulated, he was to add additional insulation on top of the original one, he might do so. Now, the next words of the Gemara, look in the footnote, there are two opinions whether you still read them or not. The word that said, So the pains. There are two opinions, look in the footnotes, in the last footnote, in the footnote number 17, at the very end of it, that I'm going to read, go please to the last paragraph of the last footnote. 
I'm in the right column of the footnotes in the last paragraph. It says the Rishonim dispute whether Rabban Shimon ben Gamaliel is taking issue with the first anonymous Tana, meaning to say if he disagrees with him, or is he merely elaborating on his ruling. So according to Toysfos, they understand that Rabban Shimon ben Gamaliel is disputing with the Tanakama. And therefore Toysfos, they delete the words saying Ketzaduose. Uh, and therefore, according to the, to the Tanakama, so uh, he would only allow to add new insulation on the top, but we're going to see Rabbi Shem Gabriel, he, he rules that you can even exchange. So therefore they take out the words, how does he proceed? But according to other Rishonim, which is Rabbi Yonah by the Rosh, according to him, Rabbi Shem Gabriel comes to add to Tanakama. So to sum up, there's either two opinions or one opinion. The Tarakama explicitly said you can add insulation to the original level of insulation. Then comes Rabban Shimon Gamliel, Oimer, and he says, Notele Sasadinin, Umaniachesa, Gluf Kerin. So you can remove sheets if you up until now were insulating, insulating with sheets and you want something that is going to be warmer. You can remove that and add, uh, put inst instead of that, the coats. So, umaniachesa gluf kerin, which is coats. Or vice versa, unotelesa gluf kerin, umaniachesa sadinin. Or you can take the coat, let's say you want it to start cooling off, and put something that is less of an insulating material, that is the sadinin. And thusly, Rabbi Shimon would hold. He would say, Also, it wasn't forbidden to insulate only the first pot where the food was warm before Shabbos, was warm up before Shabbos. But if you already removed, you emptied out the first pot and you put the food into a second pot, then that second pot for sure is permitted to insulate from the from starting from scratch already on Shabbos itself. Why? If he already even cooled it off by the fact that he put it from pot to pot, are we gonna be concerned he might end up warming up the pot? For sure not. So the thing like this. If you remember the reason why is prohibited to insulate from the outer on Shabbos is because Hachamim were concerned that if a person comes to insulate once Shabbos is starting and he sees that the pot he wants to insulate is not warm enough, he might end up warming up with fire the pot before he insulates it already on Shabbos. So because of that Hachamim said you are not allowed to insulate even something that doesn't add heat a blanket, you are not insulated once it's already Shabbos. But Rabbi Shimon says that is the original pot that you took out of the stove. But if now you remove the contents of the pot that initially you had on the stove and you place him in a second pot, so you are showing that you don't, that you don't um, want it to be so hot. So once it's already in the second pot, 
we're not concerned you might end up uh, boiling the pot and therefore that second pot you can really insulate even on Shabbos. Let me see a question. Can you ask a non-Jew directly to boil the water on Shabbos? You mean on Shabbos? For sure not. But if you're referring to the alaha of Bishulakum during the week, yes. Yeah. During the week, there's no problem for a non-Jew to boil water. There's no Bishulakum on that. Like if you have a maid or a worker at home, you can definitely tell them to make their own coffee or their own tea or whatever they want with the, with the kettle. There's no bishulakum, there's no prohibition of non-Jewish cooking when it comes to water. Also, let me add one more thing. Also, there's no bishulakum problem for something that has already been cooked. So if you already have a cooked food, uh, there would be no problem for the non-Jew worker to put it in the microwave oven warm it up because it has already been cooked some people we want to be machmir you know what will tell the workers you know the maid don't warm up any, anything in my house because they, they don't understand the differences but this is the rule cheese melted cheese is not a problem because cheese something you can eat raw and things like that okay so let me stop over here the recording of the first half okay so the Gemara, let's go back to the Brisa. Says uh, let's let's go into the previous Brisa, but a, a new case. It says the Brisa like this: Taman vekisa vedavar anital veshabes. If a person did atmana and both the sides of the pot that was being insulated and also the top of the pot both were covered by something that is not mukse so then oh or or if you did insulation with something that is mukse on the sides of the pot but the top the lid of the of the pot is something that you can, yes, move on Shabbos. So then it's no problem. There's no problem with over here. And that's why we were about to finish this chapter. This whole chapter was a mixture of alohas between Atmana and Mukse. So in such a case, then there's no problem to remove the pot and then bring bring back to its insulation place for the next meal. Now, in the case that but if you insulated the pot from the sides and you also cover it with something which is mukse, something that you, know, you might not move on Shabbos, or shetaman or the sides were something that you can just move, but the kisa, the top of the lid, is something that you cannot move on Shabbos, then we're going to be more stringent. So, as long as, again, the covering is mukse. So, as long as some of the covering was not completely covered, let me read the ascol, if part of the mouth of the pot is exposed, that wasn't completely covered, 
then you move it and then bring it back but it was if it was completely covered with something mukse then you not remove the pot and replace it because of the mukse i won't get into that it's a very long footnote over here the footnote number one i'm going to leave that to you for a homework with the bringer rashi for the page 142 that rashi seems to be a little bit more lenient over there and therefore the the rishonim and the chronim try to reconcile this brisa to that teaching that mishnah so i'm, li- I'm going to leave that to you for homework okay rabbi de omer rabbi Uda says in the order shall pishtan daka so uh fine flax combings Aralek manure areu kezevel meaning to say that I consider something that is moisture something that is moisture able something that adds heat that adds heat and you cannot use it not even on a Friday afternoon then he said maniche micham algabei micham a person on Shabbos when place a kettle on top of a kettle or a pot on top of a pot. So look in the footnote number three. What is the Hidush over here? Look in the footnote number three. The difference between a kettle and a pot is that a pot is made of earthenware and, uh, and therefore is hotter than a kettle that is made out of copper. But in any case, you can do both. And look, the, the text they bring over here they fix it a little bit to tell us even which means even you can put something of copper on top of something of earthenware or vice versa a pot on top of a kettle or a kettle on top of a pot and even you can uh, seal the top vessel's mouth with a dough but look in the footnote number five as long as the dough was made b- uh, before Shabbos because one of the melachas is not to make a dough on Shabbos. But all this, as long as your intention on the top one is not for, for it to become boiling hot, only to conserve to maintain the heat. But it's forbidden to put something on top if it can come to the temperature of boiling. Because you might be doing boiling on Shabbos, that is forbidden. Now, this opinion disagrees with all the previous opinions, because this opinion says, and just like one might insulate hot food on the Shabbos, so one might not insulate cold food on the Shabbos. But uh, we saw the, all the different opinions previously that they do permit that. And this is actually the opinion that we quoted earlier, that Rabbi changed his mind after hearing that Rabbi Yossi permitted it. So also Rabbi Yudanasi permits to insulate cold foods on Shabbos. And the last thing on this chapter, then Merazkin, ah, this is a nice olaha. En Merazkin, lo es a shelek, lo es a barad Shabbos. A person might not crush snow or hail on Shabbos to make it into a liquid. Why? In order that its water should flow out and be 
collected because this is like an oiler. You are creating something new. That is one opinion. Another opinion says this might be a tolda of threshing. So again, you cannot crush uh, directly ice or snow, but what you are yes allowed to do, that we, we know we do it, that you can yes place ice in your cup or in a bowl for it to become cooler, vein hoshesh. And then over here you shouldn't be concerned that you might be violating Shabbos because this is permitted. And Raboy say, Adranalach bimatomnim, Adranalach bimatomnim, Adranalach bimatomnim. Sherkoyach. So let's move on to a new chapter. So I hope you did. Can I ask a question? Yeah, for sure. Uh, just before we move on, the, when Rav Nachman said to his servant Daru yes. um, that he can bring him the, the hot water that was cooked, yes. No, no, well, that was during the week. That's the, that's the cooking by Yeah. And the Hidush of that was that it wasn't the Bishulakum. That it wasn't the provision of a, a serving cooked by a non-Jew. That was on a Wednesday, let's say, on a Monday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But on a Shabbos, it's forbidden. On a Shabbos, it's forbidden to ask a non-Jew to cook water for you. And even if they just cook the water on Shabbos, you shouldn't use not can you drink it? No, I think... I have to check it out, but I think you shouldn't. Even if they did for themselves, I think you shouldn't. Okay. So, let's move on to chapter 5. I hope you read the introduction. It's, it's a short page, and if you didn't, I would recommend to you to do it. And um, the, well, the truth is, maybe you, you, you don't have to do it because probably you don't prepare the page before the shiur. But just let me tell you, over here in the introduction, they say that the Torah forbids from this going back to animals, no, back, this going to animals. The Torah forbids for any animal of a Jew to do melacha for a Jew. So everybody agrees that you cannot use, let's say you have a donkey or camel, that use them for transportation. You cannot use them on Shabbos for transportation. So they cannot take things from Rosh Hashanah to Rosh Hashanah or to walk more than four Amos in Rosh Hashanah with a load. So also, there's all the different melachas you cannot do. So what the Gemara is gonna, what the mission of the Gemara is gonna explain, what things are considered a permanent part of the animal, that if the animal goes with them, is not considered carrying. So this is either things that usually the animal wears in any case, or things that you need in order to guide the animal. So the first Mishnah and the first Gemara today, Vesat Hashem, is going to deal with that. <clears throat> with the different different animals and different things that they use on the animals to guide them. So let's start in the page 51b3. Says the Mishnah, what, With what may an animal go out? 
from Reshus to Reshus on Shabbos, and with what the animal cannot go out. So depending the animal is the things that are used to wear to guide them. So Yoitza Gamal the Avsar. So Avsar over here is like an how do you pronounce it? Altar. So I think it's uh, something look in, in the footnotes explain each thing what it is. So is a robe, a rope that with that you guide the animal and it's tied to the animal's mouth. Okay? So since this control since since it serves to control the animal, it's not considered a burden, just as a way you can uh, drive the animal. And so forth. That's going to be all the examples of the Mishnah. So the next one, Naka be Khatam. A female dromedary with a Khatam. So because these animals, this is like a lady camel, so it's more difficult to take a hold of them. They are more uh, violent, more. Uh, so you need something stronger to keep this animal, the, the government is about to explain what it is, on control. The Luvdekim, be from Prumbia, the government is also explain what is this Luvdekim, with a Prumbia. So, um, all this the government is going to explain what it is. The Sus, the Sheir, and a horse with a collar. The Holbale Sheir, it's in the Sheir, and all the animals, they usually go with a collar, like a dog, so you, you can take that on a Shabbos, and even if there's no Eruv, that collar is not considered carrying. The Nimshach Veshir, and also you can pull it from that collar. Okay. Now, uh, just two more alachas that already have nothing to do with Shabbos, but it's already, since we're talking with this type of uh, objects, the mission is going to speak about them. Umazin Alehen, and you can sprinkle uh, even while they're still on the animal, let's say they became tame, these uh, collars, and you need to sprinkle them to purify them from a tumor's mess. So let's say they were in, in an oil a mess or something like that. So you may sprinkle the water of the paraduma on the collars, even while they're still wearing them on the neck. The totally beam command, and the same thing, you can, uh, after, after the sprinkling, they need to go to the mikvah. So you can schlep the animal <laughs> and bring the animal into the river or into the uh, spring and do the mikvah with the, with, the, with the collar in the neck of the animal. Okay, as long as it's wide enough to be sure that water touched from the outside and the inside of the collar. Okay, so the Gemara is going to Clarify what is the second thing on the list of the Mishnah. What is a naka and what is a hatam? My naka bachatom, so says the Gemara, Amarabba barabhone, naksa hivarti bezmama, the parazela. So we're talking about a white female dromedary with a nose ring of iron. So you look in the footnote that this type of camels are quite wild, that's the word I was looking before. So they are quite aggressive. So it's harder to control than other camels. And because of that, you need to put in the nose this iron ring uh, 
to keep her in control. So because that is what needed to control and to guide this dromedary, is not considered otza if he goes on Shabbos without in the nose. Now, what is the lubdekim, the frumbia? So the Gemara explains, Amarabune, Hambra luba vegaipe de parzela. It's a donkey of luv, so that's mean luva. Luv is a place, and also these donkeys were quite aggressive, and therefore you needed also an iron bit to be able to control them. Okay, the Gemara is telling us a story that Levi, Levi, remember Levi from Broches, he's the one that Shmuel went to the, the Besakvoros and he after he died was over there. So when he was still alive, Shadar Zuzi Levi Huzoi, he sent some cash, some money to the people in Babylonia in a place called Huzoi, and he requested from them, Le Misanle Hamraluba, please buy for me this camel of Luv and send it to me, to Israel. So uh, these people, Tsaru Shadrule Sari, they wrapped up with the money and sent it back to him with, together with some barley. And then they wanted to convey a message to Levi, Lemeimar, the Nigre, the Hamra Seari. Listen, look in the footnotes. They, they meant to tell Levi the following. Listen, it's not easy for us to schlep this lud, um, this donkey from Lub to you. But if you want a good donkey, just feed, take, buy a donkey wherever you are and just feed him some seori, some barley. And the, the more barley you, you feed your donkey, the better your donkey is going to be. Don't go out of your way to buy these donkeys from Lub. It's, it's a schlep to bring it to you. Just get your donkey and uh, give him good barley and it's going to be a gesund donkey. Just this, the Gemara brings that story just to let us know that this, what are these donkeys of Luv? Okay. So, Avarabiyudi Amar Shmuel, Machlifim Lifnei Revi. They ask Rebiyudi Nasi a question, what happens if the animals have a different thing than what usually they wear? So they say the following, Shezuba Zumao, what would be if you put something that usually you put in the camel, as we just saw now, and instead of what that rope, they usually put it to the camel, you put it to the female dromedary, instead of the nose ring, or vice versa, that you take the nose ring of the female dromedary, and you put it in the nose of the camel instead of a halter. Can they go out like that? So they clarify the question. The truth is, if a female dromedary goes with a halter, we don't need to ask you that that, that is not okay. Since it's not something you can restrain with a halter, with a rope, so Masuyu for sure is considered a burden and therefore is prohibited for the, this dromedary to go out on Shabbos with a rope. But our question to you is the following. Gamal vechatamai. Ordinary camel with a nose ring. What is the law? Now remember that this uh, nose ring of iron is a very heavy stuff. And you don't need it for a normal camel. 
So Kevan de Sagile de Afsar sees normally it's enough for a camel to go out with a rope. So Masuyu, therefore, such a nose ring of, out of iron is an excessive restraint and maybe it's considered a burden. Odilma, maybe the, the other side of the question, since Netirusa y Selsa, it's just an extra measurement of caution to guard the camel. Lombrina Masuyu, maybe it's not considered to be uh, something that you a burden and you wouldn't be over, wouldn't be a problem of going out on Shabbos. So So again, just like we saw in previously, Rabbi Yishmael Rabbi Yosef was sitting in front of Rabbi, and he would tell how his father Rabbi Yosef would pass him. So he said, Koch Omar this is what my dad said, there's four animals that on Shabbos go out with an altar, which is the rope, which are Asus, Veapered, Veagamal, Veachamor, the horse, the mule, the camel, and the donkey. So says Rabbi Ishmoel, Lemautimai, when my dad gave a list of four animals that go out with this, what, what, what did he come to teach us? Wasn't his intention to tell us to exclude that a camel cannot go out with a nose ring. So according to Rabbi Ishmael, in the teaching of Rabbi Yossi, he was proving the, one of the sides of the question that definitely if you put this iron nose in the nose of the camel, you would be over, you would be transgressing going out. Okay, this proves that one might not let a camel go out with a nose ring. Says the Gemara, no. Rabbi, Rabbi said, no, maybe don't learn what your father said in such a manner. Maybe he came to teach us that what is, uh, why this forego with this, with, with a rope, to let us know, but anaka, that we said this female dromedary, if, if that animal goes with an altar, that, as we just said previously, would be otza, because that wouldn't be enough for, the, for her to be kept, or for it, whatever you call it, the dromedary lady, to be kept secured. So maybe that's what obviously came to exclude, but maybe he never came to exclude that the nose ring would be not good for a normal camel. So the Gemara is going to bring these two opinions. Bemani Satana was told in Abraisa, Ludvekim Vegamal. These Lubian donkeys and a camel, Yoitzim Beavsar, might go out with an altar. So the Gemara says, Ah, no, this, this, I'm sorry, this teaching is a little bit out of place, but the Gemara goes back to the, to the previous teaching, Ketanai. So whether the animal can go out the camel with a nose ring or not, maybe is a machlokes tanaim, an argument between two tanaim. One tana says, en chayelta ve sugar. A beast, a vilde chaye, cannot go out with a collar of a rope because it's not enough. The Hanani Oimer, but Hanani is more lenient, it says, Yotza Vesugar, Ubeholdavara Mishtamer. He may go out with a collar of a rope or anything that restrains it. So the Gemara wants to analyze what is the machlokis between Tanakama and Hanania. 
So says the Gemara, Bemayas Kinan. Which type of Ildechaye are we dealing over here in this Machlekes? Ilema Bechayak Doila. If we're dealing with a big animal, like a bear, so Misagile Besugar. So how can then uh, be enough with a collar? So for sure that wouldn't be the case. And rather, Vela Bechayak Tana. And you're telling me that we're dealing with a small chaya, with a small uh, wild animal, small beast. So then, like a martin or a weasel, so milo sugar, then a rope wouldn't be enough? For sure, yes. And why then uh, the Tanaka would say that is not enough? Rather, we found a middle-term chaya, like a cat. So we're dealing with a cat. And this is the point of the argument. Since for a cat is enough an ordinary cord, so therefore, if you use something thicker than that, like a rope, is considered a burden. So we see that according to Tanakama, going back to our original question, to bring out a camel with a nose ring of iron would be forbidden. But according to Hanania, would be permitted. Sabar, kol netilusa, everything that is just for guard the animal, yesersa, lombrina masuyo. Any extra uh, excessive restraint is not considered a burden. So the Gemara wants to say that our question is actually depending on this to Tanaim, according to Tanakama, would be forbidden, according to Hanania, would be permitted. Actually, he ruled lenient, like Hanania, that you can, yes, bring out a camel with a nose ring. And just to end up uh, this side of the page, a little bit of the next page, and end of today, the camera brings a short story regarding this. Says the camera, Levi, Levi, the son of Rabuna Barhia, the one that just told us the Allah is like Shmuel, like Hanania, he was traveling next to Rabba Barbarhuna Abu Kiazi Beorza Beorja. They were traveling in the road, each one of them riding their own donkey. Now, Kane Hamra, the Levi Lehamra de Rabba Barabuna, the donkey of uh, of uh, the first person, Levi, went ahead of the donkey of Rabba Barabune. The Halashadid Rabba Barabuna. And Rabba Barabuna was disturbed. He was a little bit offended because he was a greater Torah scholar than Levi. And Levi, brother Rabuna, should have not overtaken him in the donkey. Like we, he, he should have given the COVID for Rabbi Barabuna to be ahead on the journey. So, but the Gemara is going to explain that it, he, didn't, didn't, he didn't do it on purpose, just that he had a little bit of a hectic donkey, and the donkey on its own went ahead. So Amar Levi thought to himself, Eimale Milsa, let me open with a question to make it clear that I didn't do it on purpose. He, just a few, just this first paragraph, the Oisiv Daite. So he is going to be more in calm when he finds out I didn't do it on purpose. So Levi said to Rabbi Marabune, 
So what if you have a donkey that is a bad donkey? It's, it's, it's a naughty donkey like this one that it goes on its own. So now, what would be the lachal that says from the Shabbos? Then would it be permitted for me to take it out with a bit on Shabbos? Again, with extra, with usually you don't use for a donkey, but a donkey like this, can you put on him something a little bit extra for protection? That would be okay, or that would be considered to, to a, a burden, and it would be forbidden. Omalei, so Rabbi Baruna said to him, What are you asking? You already said that according to your father, according to the Shmuel, the Allah follows Hanania, that is permitted, so it would be permitted. So this was just to show us when is the Alaha, at least up until now, he was ruling leniently and it was just for him not to feel bad. One second. Is there any questions or I don't get it. Anybody has a question? Are you allowed, for example, then, to take a dog out on a for a walk on Sabbath? Because I heard it was Moksha. Yeah. Like the dog for a walk. Yeah. So the thing like this. There is two opinions regarding what is the status of a dog. The one that uh, you are there because you don't want anybody to get close to your house. Everybody agreed that dog is a muxa dog. You cannot take it out on Shabbos. The, the opinions that are more lenient is like a Zoe type of dog. That is just a Wilde Haye for fun. That is a toy dog. So some opinions are more lenient that, that those type of dogs are not muxa. It's really up to you. <laughs> <laughs> for me, for me, for me, Zoe is really my toy. I have lots of fun with her, so I do carry Zoe and Shabbos. It's it's my Misha toy. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. And let's go see you tomorrow for thirty. Thank you. Thank you. Alles gut. Ciao, ciao.